You're listening to She Speaks, a Let Her Speak podcast that celebrates women's fearlessness, resiliency, and readiness to change the world. Hello, and I'm so happy to be here. My name is Berta Medina. I am a professional certified coach and speaker. And what am I doing? My word? Yeah. <laughs> and 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 the best word I could use to describe the last couple of years is transformative. Transformative. And mm-hmm. given what I know about your story, mm-hmm. definitely fitting. Mm-hmm. So let's <laughs> dive in to the transformation there of Berta go. Medina <laughs> for the last two years. So... Going back to 2020 mm-hmm. and when we had our interview, um, and I know a ton has happened since then, and and I know you're also a, a huge travel enthusiast, and mm-hmm. so you weren't able to travel for, right. but you still traveled a, a decent amount though yes, during that quite period. A bit, so, yeah. but I know a lot of other things happened. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into what has happened. Sure. Yeah. So so 2020 was um, again. I and I I'm not diminishing or discounting the the tragedy of everything that was going on. It was just a very big year for me as far as business. I think we were forced to look at things differently. And and I like doing that anyway, but you're never forced to do it the way we were forced to do it in 2020. So it was a really interesting time for me. I Two days before the entire world shut down, I asked my husband for a divorce. And, and then, of course, everything happened and we came together. We always get along. We love each other. We're family. And um, just worried about getting the kids home, making sure everybody was okay. And, you know, we had both lost our moms the year before who both lived with us. So it was just like a weird time of a lot of things were being stirred up. And, and I took a really, really deep dive into my business, seeing what was going on, who I could serve, how I could serve them. You know, let's level up. I told all my clients, listen, you're not going to get an invoice, but we're going to double up on the coaching. We have time. We can do certain things now. I started just trying to serve the community as much as I could and really, you know, tripled my business in that year when so many things could have gone wrong. Um, I also took the opportunity, despite you know, the recommendations and just started traveling and, or kept traveling, but probably upped it a little bit. You know, if, 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 if this is all going to go to heck, I'm going to travel as much as I can this year sort of thing. <laughs> and, um, it was just a really, really interesting year. It was a good pause. I think we spent a lot of time, you know, my daughter and granddaughter moved back home and we just spent a lot of time relishing in, in what mattered. Like I think most people did. Mm-hmm. And and really looking at what comes next and, and are we living it and are we doing it the way that we want to? And if this was going to be the end, you know, do we leave happy? I think it was, was a weird question that kept coming up for me and kept coming up for a lot of people I was working with. But it was it was it was it was crazy, but it was really, really good. You know, I, I received the, that little Google email at the beginning of every month, December 1st. And it said, you have traveled 1.7 times around the world this year, you know, two new regions and 462 cities. So it was, I said, listen, that's not bad for a pandemic year. No, not at all. Now I just have to keep doubling it every year and it's, it's getting a little crazy, (laughs) but it was, it was, it was really an interesting, an interesting time. So, and so you were just talking about, um, you know, coming to the realization of what's important and what's not, Mm -hmm. and what are the changes you want to make if, if this is in fact, all that the the last of everything that you're right. going to do have I have I done it to the point of where I'm happy with it? Right. So what were some of those realizations that came out of that? I think some of the realizations were and and I always tell people you know I've lived I mean I'm 54 I've lived three lifetimes I tell people because they say you know you took you take so many chances you're always taking risks and you're doing all this adventure stuff and a lot of times you're traveling alone and driving to from one end of the country to the other. And I say, listen, if if I go, don't cry for me because I, I leave happy. I've lived three lifetimes and I've done everything on my list. That doesn't mean I don't have a five-gallon drum instead of a bucket of, of things I want to do. But I think what really happened was that it gave me permission or in, in, in for people to view what I was trying to describe all along. You know, like, listen, we just don't know. We don't know where where it's going to be. And nothing 
not that, and I'm optimistic. I don't think in gloom and doom. I don't live in fear. I don't think in those terms. But at the same time, it's hard to express to people, listen, we got we to gotta suck it dry is what I call it, right? We have to be living it as loud as we can because we just, we just don't know. And the thing is to, to make sure that you're happy. So I think a lot of things that some of the biggest changes were the way that I was serving my community, right? I knew that I felt that I was serving them to the best of my, capa- of, of my abilities. But I think during that time, I was able to really go all in because I had nothing else to do. And I just dove in and, and it changed the way that I, I think I read something like 67 books that year. And I, I always read a lot, but that year was, I had a lot of time. And, and I think that it really helped me to hone in on who I wanted to be moving forward. Was I serving enough? I felt like I'm doing this much, but was it really, was I using my talents and my gifts and everything that God had given me really to take it up a notch? And that's, I think that was the biggest thing. And along with that came, again, you know, I I love my husband. I don't feel that he was happy and he's so good. He would have never been the one to pull the plug. And I don't mind paying, playing bad cop, but I, I said, I want you to be happy. You know, and we, we get along great. We never, you know, people say you get along better now than before. We never didn't get along. But I think that was one of the biggest things that I that I was holding on to for so long. And, you know, we're in our comfort zone and we don't want to rock the boat and we don't want to. But it, it doesn't. It was the most loving divorce. Even our mediator kept saying, you know, if you were coaching around this, I'd send everyone to you because this is the most beautiful divorce I've ever seen in 20 years. Um so it was it, those little things that I started doing to stretch way out of the boundaries that I, that I and being a Cuban Catholic, you know, were raised on guilt and cafe con leche. So, <laughs> so just just being able to stretch those boundaries and realize that listen, the world doesn't end, and we can do life and we can be happy and we can do things the way that that maybe God intended us to do. Went on a mission trip last year. We had to stop because of the pandemic. We were able to shift it, took, you know, ex-clients and people who had never been on mission trips before and was able to see it through their eyes and then realize, listen, we did it during a pandemic. Things are getting better. So now I have three scheduled for next year. So it's just a lot. I was I was much braver in my approach with things. I, I was less worried about how people saw me and what they thought, you know, and I, and I thought I was like that before, mm-hmm. but now my daughter says, it's, now it's like scary level, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is good. I think we as women, you know, and I'm older now, so it's like you, you care less and less, <laughs> right? As you right. get older. But, uh, but I think it's, it's, you know, there was a lot of shift, I think for a lot of people mm-hmm. during that time, good shifts. Yeah. And I, and I think you hit on something really important too, is that I, I saw some of those shifts of you either shifted to being even more afraid or you shifted to being even more brave. Um, and generally there was those two shifts. There were very few stayed in one no, place. It was no. usually one of those yeah. two. Directions. And, and, and I think, and I, and it may be the same for you, but I think I was surprised by some of the people that just, you know, sheltered themselves away and, and lived in fear. And and we had our our priest over for Thanksgiving dinner that week that that year, and um, and I'm asking him, you know, from from a, a a religious scholar perspective, what what does it look like? How do you how do you put this into perspective for people of faith that may be coming to you? And he and the only way he could see to answer that question was he told me a story and he said, you know, in the Middle Ages, um, the personification of the plague, you know, was walking down the street bumps into a man and the man says, hey, where are you going? And the plague says, you know, I'm going to Europe. And he says, what are you going to do there? And he says, I'm going to kill 15,000 people. And the man, before he could realize what he said, the plague just sort of disappeared. And years later, the plague hits Europe and 65,000 people died. And Lo and behold, eventually the guy runs into the plague again in the street and he says, you are a liar. And the plague said, what are you talking about? 
And the man said, you said you were going to go to Europe and kill 15,000 people. And 65,000 people died. And the plague said, no, I killed 15,000 people. The others died of fear. And I thought, holy crap. <laughs> that, is, that is really... And, and again, I, and I love that you said that because I think it just, it just... We went to one side of the spectrum or the other. And, and I don't know that two years later... We're anywhere near the middle on that. I'm, I'm still mm. seeing it's lingered. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think there's in all the different aspects. Mm-hmm. There's, it feels like something that you would have hoped would bring people together. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, at least a lot of times, I hear you know it being related to well, what happened during 9/11, which was right. a huge catastrophe, right? Right, and what happened during 9/11 versus what happened during the pandemic is a polar opposite Mm -hmm. instead of being feeling like we're brought together it feels like we're being pulled further apart from each other which you and i have talked about yes (laughs) yes, offline yeah 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 Yeah. and it feels like we were pulled together for a little bit and and within two or three weeks something happened yeah yeah it's it's crazy yeah crazy so um the one part of the story of um, that I know, at least personally, is that you moved mm-hmm. from Miami, and and you talked. Um, at least you and I have talked about like the home and yes. um, how difficult <laughs> it was to say goodbye to this home, yeah. and then moving, and then uh, you basically have your RV now yeah. up in the Tennessee mountains. Mm-hmm. So I would you would you be willing to talk a little bit about yes. like what? what that process has felt like? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, I lived, I was blessed to live in my dream home. You know, I I, I, I loved our home. Uh, one of the requirements, you know, my husband knew I didn't want to get rid of, he's a great guy. I, I don't want to make him sound, he's, he's a beautiful human being. Um, but one of the caveats was, well, you want to get divorced, we have to sell the house. And I'm like, I don't have to sell the house. It's my house. And he's like, Yeah, but we're not. If you want, to, if you want me to sign, we got to sell the house. So that was, you know, and 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 it took me a year and a half, Catherine, believe it or not, to finally come to grips. And it was one little, just that little comment, which is not a big deal, but it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I just, I called the listing agent, I called an attorney, and I said, Listen, we're doing this. This is what you want. Um, you know, we're we're going. And, um, and you know what, when I made the decision and I started packing boxes and it it all happened very fast, that was, you know, end of July, end of June, I left for two weeks to Kenya on a mission trip, came back and everything just happened very, very quickly. We closed October, we, we bought our house October 4th, that was our closing. 19 years later, October 4th, we did our closing to sell the house, which was weird and eerie, but but I had this attachment to the house, and I'm not a materialistic person, uh, never have been. But I just had this, you know, our ha- we had parties. Our cousins were over every weekend. You know, we hosted people when they were here. Both of our moms lived there. Our kids finished growing up there. That was the only home my granddaughter knew. And I just had this real, real. Now that I look back, it's almost like an unhealthy attachment. But it, but it was my home. I mean, that's how we should feel about home. And, um, and I remember two days before he had already moved into his new place. I had, did not rent. I didn't buy anything else. Um, I just wanted to be in my home. So I was sleeping on a comforter on the carpet in our room because all the furniture was gone. And, um, and I remember going room by room and just thanking God. Look, I still get emotional. Thanking God for every memory that we made there praying for the new family was a young family that was buying the home that they would make great memories there it was just like a like a really weird goodbye but a good goodbye um so so i you know everybody's like where are you going to live and i said i'm just going to give myself a year to travel and figure it out and the blessing of our work is that we can do it from anywhere and um but we had the cabins here in Pigeon Forge. So I figured, you know, I can be in one of the cabins, you know, on and off when they get rented. I brought the RV, parked it in a, a great, super luxurious, you know, campground that has like conference center and heated pool and jacuzzi and all that. Not that I use any of that, but um, but it's there. And that way, you know, if if the cabins were occupied, I didn't have to leave. So so one day I'm sitting in the RV and I had gone to Miami for a couple of weeks and come back and I and I realized that I missed the RV while I was gone. 
And this is a little 25-foot motorhome. You know, it's a, a coach that you, you can drive. So there's not a lot of, you know, the ones you can drive, there's a lot less living space. So I measured, I measured the square footage of the RV and it was 192 square feet. I, I redid it, redid the flooring, the pink, I pinked it all up, right? And, um, and I remember saying, you know, I miss my 5,000 square foot house but I have never been happier than I feel right now in a 192 square foot RV. So it was just something that it was, it was, it was either a lesson that I had to learn of, 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 listen, none of that means anything, you know, or, or just a, a, the realization of the happiness in the home is here. You know, I have the flexibility that I go and, you know, jump in the car, jump on a plane and see my kids whenever I want. I go back home and see my aunts and my cousins and, and life is good, but I'm really, people are like, oh, now your daughter's back in Florida. When are you moving back? And I'm like, I'm just so at peace here. My daughter never stays put for very long, which is a good thing. She's a, she's a, you know, follow your dream kind of girl too. Um, so it was, it was just a really, took a lot of processing. I think I've grown more this year, especially, um, probably than, than, than ever. And, and learning things about myself and falling in love with myself, spending a lot of time alone and just really enjoying my company. You know, somebody texted me the other day and they said, you know, I, I worry that you're lonely. And I said, listen, I am never lonely. Alone and lonely are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just been a really, really beautiful and I've had given myself the time to just pause and and embrace it all which has been great but thank you for that question yeah well because I loved when we were talking about that when we had coffee a, mm -hmm. a little while yeah. back um yeah. because now that you've talked about embracing the bravery during mm -hmm. the last two years I feel mm -hmm. like that's a a piece that is can be so difficult and you don't realize that it takes a lot of courage to leave a home mm -hmm. and to walk away from a home and to, and, and the minute that it flips in your mind that that's not my home anymore. Right. Um, I mean, I think for the most part, most of us probably experience that when, when we leave for college. Um, mm -hmm. but I, and cause I still, you know, think about my home back in, in Iowa, the, my home that I grew up in. Right. And right. so I still get emotional about that house because that's no matter what, that's, that's my home. Yeah. But, um, to leave something and, and fully embrace that, you know, home is, is more of a state of mind than an mm -hmm. actual physical residence, I think takes a lot. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, it's extremely scary yeah. when you start thinking about it in those, from that perspective. Yeah. 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 yeah you're right. You're right. And I think that, that, that connection that we have to whatever it is. And my daughter sent me a song uh, the other day on, on messenger and, and the, the song is called No One Knows Me Like the Piano in My Mother's Home. And, you know, my daughter's a musician and, mm -hmm. and you know, she grew up and we had, you know, the only thing I, I was not willing to, you know, let go of was her baby grand piano, right? Because I bought it for her when she started. And, um, and that's really, it, it hit me when I heard that song because I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's that feeling of home that you can always go back to your parents and, you know, my kids don't have that now, but I'm thinking, you know, they have, they have them everywhere now all over the country right. and they can go wherever they want because we have places, but it's, it's, it, you're right. It's, it's just scary. Mm -hmm. It's just scary. It's a little bit, um, sometimes I think of it like the, uh, in the movie Inception and you mm -hmm. have this totem yes. and that's your grounding yes. totem is mm -hmm. that a lot of times you, uh, an entire building becomes that totem for you of that groundingness. Yeah. And when you don't have it, then you're a little bit uneasy of, okay, what am I if I don't have this like yes. place that I can return yes. to? Yeah. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's taken some getting used to because sometimes I'll still go back to Miami and I'm, I'm, I'm there for client work and, and to see everyone um, at least one week out of the month. And, um, and sometimes I'm like, you know, did I leave, whatever, this bracelet 
is it in the drawer? Can I pass by the house and get it? I'm like, shit, you don't have that house anymore. You, you actually, you can't. Um, it's called breaking an entry, but, but it's, it's just, it's just weird. It took, but then, and I love that you just said that because then what you're finding is that, that totem, right? You know, how do we make that us mm-hmm. so that we're always with us? Yeah. And that it, nothing else matters. And it's been a hell of a ride. I mean, these last nine months have been a hell of a ride. And, um, and you know, I said, I'm going to give myself a year and I'm just going to travel. And now I'm thinking that year's coming up and I don't know that I want to stop. <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up is I, I, I was thinking, yeah, it yeah. has to be close to a year now. Yeah, it's getting close to a year. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know that I'm ready to commit to anything or to, to stay in one place or... You know, I'll be in Colorado f- Springs for five weeks. You know, I'm leaving next week, and you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 easier than I thought mm-hmm. to live it this way. So I'm just gonna do it until, you know, the old gets catches up with me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. So with um, so and you talked about during 2020 that um, your business mm-hmm. expanded yeah. a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I know we talked a little bit about your business in in the original interview that mm-hmm. we had, um, but I know that it's changed and morphed a little bit yes. too, and and you've um, honed and a lot of the work that you've done has been be- very apparent and honing in on like this is what I want to do and these are the people I want to work with. Right. So can you talk a little bit about sure, that? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And I and I love the 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 way that our businesses just morph into what they were intended to be. Mm-hmm. Right. I started working a lot with speakers and coaches originally, with with people that were in that space that they just wanted to serve. And my mentality is listen, the more of us are out there, you know, spreading a good word or bringing out the best in others, the better the world is going to be because of it. And if I can have you know, little plant a little seed in that space. I'll do it all day because that's mm-hmm. the world I want to leave for my granddaughter. Um, and then I realized that that a lot of the it, you know that leads you into getting you know working with business owners. Business owners leads you into working with corporate. And the funny thing is that when I started my career, I didn't want to do business at all. I was in the corporate world for twenty eight years. I just didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And and then of course. God's infinite humor, um, nine, you know, 100% of people come to me for business coaching, but it was in in whatever realm they were in. So I, you know, started with the coaches and the speakers, and then I would get actresses, and I would get, you know, Grammy-winning musicians, and I would get business owners who I would coach them, and then they would want me to come in and coach the team. So it's it sort of evolved into this um, beautiful coaching practice that I get to do I get to do it less, but I'm making more of an impact and it's much more rewarding. The speaking is is coming back, which I always enjoy. But but right now, the focus is what it always has been. I'm working with with high achieving business owners and leaders of organizations, you know, who really want to scale or grow their businesses, grow their impact. Um, my caveat is always, you know, there has to be an impact driven bottom line. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you want to make money. It's great. Any coach can help you do that. But but why do you want to make the money? What is the big picture? Who are you going to serve? How are you going to change the world? Those are the clients that really set my soul on fire. So so I've been able to to really just focus on working with those people that I want to work with. It's not, you know, like when we start, it's like, you know, we'll work, we'll coach anybody. You know, we, we need to get it in and 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 it's just it's much more calm now. It's much more at peace. I work only with invitation and referrals, and so I don't have to really market. Again, God has been extremely generous with me in that regard. I've worked with amazing people who will connect me with amazing people. So so it's just taken on this life of its own, but in a way that I couldn't have planned it, even if even if I had a crystal ball, I think I couldn't have planned it this way. So it's been, it, it just gets more and more rewarding. Um, and it's just crazy. It's crazy, Catherine, how, how things happen when we're, when we're just in service mode, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, that's all I wanted to do was, was serve, you know? Yeah. And I think that speaks to the fact that you don't have to 
be pounding on people's virtual doors mm-hmm. essentially and and yeah. you know running ads and sponsors yeah. sponsored ads and things like that that it's just because uh, I talk about that with my students a lot of times is mm-hmm. that the the more you can build that strong referral word of mouth yeah. I mean yeah. that's ultimately the goal that's I think it. personally as an entrepreneur yeah and I and I know that you've always spoken in that regard and you're very relationship and listen yeah. it really is all about relationships and I, and all I can tell people that are starting you know in, in any business but especially in the in the world that we're in where we're we're trying to empower people and and get them to live their best lives is is to just keep doing it just keep doing you do it long enough I mean I'm almost nine years in um you do it long enough and you're good and you really have that that servant's heart it's it's going to build itself almost mm-hmm. you know yeah so but yeah. i love that you i know that that's how you how you you know empower people that you work with because that's that's who you are so i love that <laughs> yep plus i i'm also not someone that shows up a lot on social media personally <laughs> so it's like the more i can build relationships that's easy for yeah. me having to show up on social media mm-hmm. that's not easy for mm-hmm. me yeah that's crazy so has if over the last nine years, and I mean, especially during the last few years where you've really honed in on this is what it was always meant to be, mm-hmm. the the business that you've built, have some of your tactics and coaching and, and your methodologies and things like that, has any of that changed as well? Or has it always been fairly consistent, but maybe with slight tweaks? Yeah, I think I think the the methodology is everybody's different, you know, and and I just I have really embraced and grown in the space of curiosity. I come in super curious because I've always been curious, but but I the my business transformed when I was able to get myself out of the way. This has nothing to do with me. None of this has anything to do with me. I am here to 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 see them, to acknowledge them and to just boldly Ask those questions that nobody's asking. I mean, I have people that tell me all the time, you know, nobody talks to me the way that you do. And sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm a potty mouth and and sometimes I say things just because that's how they come out, but it's all coming from love. Mm-hmm. And I and I see that masterpiece in the people so long before they see it in themselves. And I feel that my job is just to go in curious enough so that I can help them see it themselves. And that's really all we're here to do, I think, no matter what yeah, what industry you're in, you know? I I have that exact same view. Actually, the other day, so all of my ideas usually come when I'm driving up and down the interstate. You know, yeah, that's when yeah. things are popping into my brain. And I and I really started honing in on the, you know, what all I want to be is a catalyst. I just want to be the catalyst, the person who comes in and provides a little bit of the spark, but then the the person I'm helping is is the gasoline, um, and they can turn it, turn the heat up or turn the heat down. But yeah. to be that, so I um, and I feel like that's exactly like what you were describing is mm-hmm. that you're the catalyst that comes in. You ask the questions that sparks the the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and I and I see that so clearly in you. I mean, you've always even from the first time we met, you were just so encouraging and and embracing of whatever it is but I'm going to give you a space for your voice which I know and I I know that everybody that I've introduced you to or that I've met through you they love you the same and it's and it's because that's really what you're projecting out there Catherine and I think it's a beautiful thing and it's rare you know it's well, it's unique uh, everybody I've ever met that knows you too loves you uh, it's like the I I it's um such an amazing thing when um you are connected to someone who's who wh- it doesn't matter whether this person knows me from anybody else but they're like oh Berta said that I need to meet you then I have to meet you <laughs> no and then they all thank me profusely for for the introduction but but yeah I think it's and listen I I think that that. God and the universe always have a way of of bringing the people that we need and want and are aligned with in our lives so that we can grow together and you know and create that community. I I just I'm super stoked that I get to be sitting here with you again. <laughs> again, I know. So, um I know that you you mentioned like you know you're not um, you're you're happy where you're at right now, mm-hmm. um, but I know that there's probably like a f- you know a fourth wave, a fifth wave, whatever. Mm-hmm. I know you're gonna go until you can't go anymore. Mm-hmm. So are there 
really the really big ticket things that you have on the horizon that it's like I you know that's my next big thing that I want. Yeah, I think I think the the big thing that was on the horizon for this year was you know getting to do three mission trips next year, right? And and I think one of the things with me with the mission trips is there are so many people that need help. And listen, they could be, uh, I do a lot of volunteering and most of my, the organizations that I work with, I get them set up and we go and volunteer together one or two times, they get addicted and then they take it from there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's just the introdu- the being able to introduce people to what's possible and what they're capable of. I think big ticket things is I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro with my daughter and my granddaughter, you know? Um, and they better hurry, man, because I ain't getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I want to be able to, to, you know, build a homeless shelter for families that we don't separate the men and the women and the children and then the men go and get a job in Nebraska and never come back. And now that woman who found herself homeless is now also a single mom. So how do we keep that unification of of the families together? You know, I want to, and this is really like in the planning stages, I want to have a Starbucks in downtown Miami that has, you know, 10 shower stalls in the back and and those people living in houselessness, as I call it, mm-hmm. um, can come and have the dignity of a shower and and change a change of clothes and come in and have a free cup of coffee or a meal and conversation with whoever else is in the coffee shop. You know, like those those things that we know that 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 are gonna they're just gonna be like you said catalysts to change things, you know, a school that I would love to, you know, start in Kenya to empower children to dream, you know, a lot of the work that we do with, through one child who I travel with on these mission trips is, is, you know, giving these kids hope in, in what could otherwise look hopeless. So, and yeah, you know, I want to live on a cruise ship when I retire and, you know, I want a 1967 metallic blue convertible Corvette with a 427 under the hood, you know, those sort of things. Um, I mean, who doesn't want, right. I, I would love Hello. that 67 Hello. Corvette. Yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, the, the vision board is, is, is alive and well, and it's present and it's there all the time and it's, it changes, usually grows, never shrinks. But they all get done. God has a way of just, you know, fine. <laughs> okay, this is what you want. You know, my husband, the last time I did my vision board, you know, he looked like a little distraught. And one of my friends, we had 50 people in the house and everybody's playing like kindergartners, you know, with glue sticks and scissors. And 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 one of my friends said, you know, you look a little, he goes, because I'm looking at her vision board and I'm just thinking, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> <laughs> but um, But it's... Yeah, those are those are like the the big ticket, I guess, big ticket items for now until they start getting checked off, and then I'll add I'll add new things. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's why I love um, I always love talking to you, Berta, because it it makes me so looking. Uh, obviously, there's some age between us, mm-hmm, and it makes mm-hmm. me so excited to get older. <laughs> Right, <laughs> which I think is not always the case, especially for women. You know, of yeah. uh, it, it just seems like you know, once you turn forty, you know, the society just would prefer you to just go quietly mm-hmm. into the night, right? Go into menopause, and, uh, and, yeah, and shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, sit, yeah. sit in your home and watch your shows, and yeah. you know, and then you're done. And, a little story. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and it's and I have always been. I've always and I I say this to a lot of my friends. I'm like, I'm on the Grandma Moses plan. <laughs> I mean, you know, I want to be in my 90s, and then I, I become a, a nationwide artist. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. I I love it. And I think, and I think, and I think it's changing, Catherine. I think mm-hmm. that's what I love about Let Her Speak and, and what you're doing, because I think that we're all, we're all aging, right? I don't feel like I'm, I mean, I'm going to be 55 in two weeks, right? But I, I don't feel the number, but I, but I embrace the number. I love, I, you know, I remember when I turned um, 30, 
my husband said to me, oh my God, what you would give to be 22 again. And I said, are you kidding me? I love 30 and, and, and 40 was so much better than 30 and 50 has been so much better than, than 40 that I'm looking forward to 60. And I plan to, like you said, you know, at a hundred, still be able to climb mountains and jump out of planes and, you know, do whatever. Um, but I, I have loved the aging process and menopause. I'm sorry, dude. Um, I menopaused early, um, 42 by 45. I was dry. I have no problem saying that, but you know what? Menopause is very empowering for me. And I tell women, look forward to it. It, You're going to, you're going to shake things up like you have never shaken things up before. So I say, look forward to it. And, and we, you know, the good thing is that the, those of us, and like, especially you, that you're young and you're in this space, you're just going to grow this movement into what you just described. So I, I think it's, 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 um, it's pretty neat to be able to age gracefully or not. <laughs> <laughs> or just the way, the way that you want to. Yeah, I think. yeah. exactly. I th- and I, because that's what I, I'm loving seeing is, you know, when I was growing up, you know, my, like my grandmother's generation, mm-hmm. totally, totally different right. type of thing. You know, you didn't really hear too much about too many mm-hmm. stories of when, and then there was just a story that came out that was um, a woman who's, uh, I, I She's like 106 now, and she still does running. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I yeah, saw that. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 So do you think that from a, you know, what you do on it, do you think you will ever retire? I think that's part no. of the question. No. Okay. No. I love what I do enough that I would do it for free. You know, so I, I know that I'll never retire. Mm-hmm. And it's just, what is what does retire look like? You know, I was having a conversation with a client yesterday and he says, you know, I just want to build a business where, you know, I can take vacation and then I don't have to worry about it. And I'm like, why don't you just build a life that's a vacation that then you can work while you're on vacation? And and the concept was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, listen, <laughs> it exists. I mean, if if you're building a business that you love, you never have to take vacation from it. And I've I do coaching calls from mountaintops and from beaches and St. John, like not a big deal because I love what I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm, you know, the the two lives are not separate from each other. Mm -hmm. So now do you feel, because this is always the argument too of, um, especially during the great resignation, Mm because, you know, everybody's, everybody realized like, okay, well, obviously uh, most corporations could care less about me. I mean, a lot of them, not all of them, but uh, quite a few. Do you think that it's possible for everyone to live in that world um, with the way that, you know, like with with the way we require there to be restaurants right now? We Mm -hmm. got so reliant on having fast food and having restaurants and having access to services that are typically minimum wage jobs that Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to live that way. Um, Do you think it's possible? And how do you, if you do, how do you think that? I think, and, and that's a great question because I've thought about it a lot. And, and a lot of the speaking engagements that I've been called to do now, when my discovery process has changed, you know, the way that I ask questions, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm talking to someone in leadership, someone in management, someone in the front line mm-hmm. to make sure that the problem that they're telling me they're having is really the problem. And I find that a lot of times what they're facing right now is how are they dealing with this great resignation? So I... I know that there's always going to be an opportunity for people who want to shine in the space of working for someone else. I know that that's always going to be the case. And the way that I address, you know, what I call willing to eager, how do we get our employees from merely being eager to work to being, I mean, willing to work to being eager to work here? Mm -hmm. How do we establish that connection? And there are people, I have friends and and colleagues and that work for organizations that they love what they do they're able to to shine in their space their creativity is 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 really embraced and they're able to do things but i go back to the story of my grandfather and we've we've talked a lot about him you know how much he loved and he had three jobs he got to this country at the age of 60 he was a retired police officer but had to work cuz you know he had four fatherless grandchildren one of them was mine. My father went back to Cuba when my mom was five months pregnant. So so he had to work and he worked for 22 years, three jobs, but he loved working at his jobs. You know, he was a, a houseman at a hotel. He cleaned the Winn-Dixie at night and, and he 
and he he helped clean a bar, you know, in the morning after everybody would leave, you know, Miami in the 80s. Um, but he had such a connection with his bosses that he loved his work. He loved being able to do it. He loved that that afforded him the opportunity to support his family, buy us all our first cars, put us all through college, you know, and, and didn't re re-retire until we were all you know, college and married and living on our own sort of, but, but he really, and I think there's always going to be an opportunity for that. Um, not, not everyone, because I, I know that a lot of people, especially, um, you know, the millennials, and I hate to generalize because even in my generation, we're gen X or whatever it is. Um, you know, we, we, we want to be, we want to control our own time. I think that companies out there and organizations that are doing it right are really adapting to what the employee needs so that they can remain an employee because they're they they do need to have that. It's a great so I said it's a great question. The thing is how do as organizations and corporations how do we adjust and morph into either making the connection so that they stay and making sure that we are adapting to the changing times so that people can feel like they have the freedom, have the flexibility but still want to do the work and be productive. And, and it's, it's been a very interesting, um, metamorphosis of, of the global corporate world, mm -hmm. you know, because it really is the global corporate world that had to change. And a lot of people were just, were doing it right. A lot of people were doing it right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people are learning now what it, what it takes and, and the ones who didn't, you know, they're bleeding out. Yep. And you're hearing a lot of stories about those. I mean, it's the ones that you hear of, um, I mean, predominantly you'll see it on TikTok mm -hmm. um, because I, I would say of all the vocal employees, it seems like uh, like Gen Z or younger millennial mm -hmm. are not blinking an eye of showing like, this is not right. This yeah, is not how absolutely. you treat an employee. Yeah. Um, like constantly gauging, are you, are you t on your computer or not? Like yeah. if you're on, you mm -hmm. know, if you walk away. The policing. To, like, yeah. Policing <laughs> yeah. you. Exactly. Yeah. And, or, or forcing you to go back to a physical office. Mm -hmm. And, and I know that's been a big part of it is if you are doing office work and you've yeah. proven for two years that you can be just as productive um but there's the issue of we have this real estate and we need to use this real estate so we're going to push you all that yeah um yeah. yeah there's a lot of companies that have shown like no that's not you don't have to yeah. um which yeah. will probably have a little bit of a trickle effect into the real estate world but. yeah yeah and it will but i th but i think that a, that a lot of organizations and i was working with a with an with a with a team just as the pandemic started coming into play and things, and they were looking to expand into bigger offices. And their mentality really was, we really just need a small office where people can come in. And if there's a receptionist or maybe someone else support staff, um, and everybody else went and worked from home. And, you know, they saved like a ton oh, yeah. of money on overhead on on real estate like you said it's just it's just, it just depends on who's willing to think outside of the box mm -hmm. and listen a lot of these attachments to to the old way of doing things are, have just that's just how they've been doing it forever and you're right the, the 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 gen z's and the younger millennials they're not afraid like our my generation especially i'm coming just like i missed a baby boomer by like 3 years or something mm -hmm. Um, where it was like, no, you're quiet and you're, you're submissive and you s do what they want and you're loyal and you stay there and you retire, you know, after however many years of service. And it's just, that's not how we raised our kids. We don't want that for them. Mm -hmm. And our kids especially don't want that for their kids. So it's, it's really interesting. I, I, but I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for, for growth and expansion in that space now that we're going to see really, really interesting innovation mm -hmm. coming up now to, you know, reconcile with these changes. Yeah, what I hope really is that some of the bad practices that have been tied, you know, going back to the start of the Industrial Revolution, because I know a lot of the culture, mm -hmm. it, you can stem it back to the Industrial Revolution, that a lot of that gets completely turned on its head. Um, and that there's a this... Uh, new understanding of a little bit of pre-industrial revolution and and being able to 
because you from my from my understanding before the industrial revolution, there was a little bit more of autonomy mm-hmm. of how you did things and and the pace at which you did it and the industrial revolution really drove up a you know a focus on productivity mm-hmm. um and then that's been basically sustained until I mean, even now, obviously productivity is important, but it's what does productivity look like and what is the means in which you can achieve productivity? Because why do we have all of this technology mm-hmm. if not to make things more productive <laughs> mm-hmm. without us having to do as much work? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. You're yeah. right on the money. And I think I we did some work with, uh, with Microsoft during the pandemic around stress with the employees or whatever. But a lot of the industries that I was researching, um, you know, banking tech, a lot of these that, that should be relying more on, on technology, if you will. Um, they were finding that their employees were more productive. They would log in earlier, they would leave later, and, and they were getting more stuff done throughout the day, not having to worry about contending with traffic, not having to worry about after school for their kids. So many things that, that were making them almost, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I can work from home, that I'm going to do more of it. it. It was like a weird, um, and then, and then the work we came in to do was really around making sure that the, that there was a stop time, mm-hmm. that you weren't overdoing, that you weren't burning out because you're home. Who says, you know, I can't just stay on my computer till nine o'clock. Right, right. But, yeah. Yeah. And and making that and the the standard across the entire company culture of exactly. no, you are not on all the time. Mm-hmm. Like even your boss's boss's boss is not on all the yeah. time. Yeah. 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 But I love what you said, Catherine, because I think what'll happen is like I'll I'll see it probably with my granddaughter's generation that they may think of that, you know, very dictatorial way of doing things and we're the leaders and you have to do what we say sort of industrial you know with mm-hmm. the productivity and the you know we got to we got to meet the quotas and we got to um I think there will be a time when sometime maybe in my granddaughter's life they will look back at them and they will say my gosh that was like how, how did that happen is that was that real yeah did that, that really exist and it'll be a, an oddity for them you know Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I really hope is, um, you know, we, we see uh, the, the rise back of the main streets and the small businesses mm-hmm. and, yes. you know, a little bit smaller organizations because it, it is very difficult to not feel like a number when you're one of 45,000. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. much more easier to feel like you really, you can immediately see gratification in that the work that you're doing is making an impact when yes. you're, when you're a part of, you know, these either they're smaller, you know, sub organizations under an umbrella, but you yeah. know, I've, I've always, I've, seen that for like the last few years that yes. it just feels like we're going a little bit back to a time before the industrial revolution mm-hmm. to some degree when you're talking about corporates. Yeah. 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 And I think even, even like you said, with, with the millennials and the Gen Z's, they, they want to do work that matters. You know, they want to know that what they're doing is making an impact. Um, they're not worried about the bonuses and the salary as much. I mean, my son took a pay cut because he loved the brand that he was working with before, right? And he just said, I want to be a part of that brand. And because he, you know, he moved to Miami and then moved back to Orlando. And he said, I, and I, I, it doesn't matter if I'm making less money. Mm -hmm. And then with that attitude, you know, two months later, they gave him a promotion and and he's making more money and, you know, than he thought he was going to be making, but he has so much passion for the brand. And, and I think we're seeing that these, these, Younger people, um, they they want to make a difference in the world. They're and and if they're not, they're it, it's just they're not fulfilled, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. It's yeah, you know? yeah. I know. I love I love that aspect. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. How how that's all evolving and changing um, because that was a big issue when you know I was in the corporate world for a mm-hmm. while of just like I just wasn't passionate about. It. I loved whenever I found something to be passionate about, which was generally had to do with like the people I was helping, I would get scrutinized because 
um, from their perception, my productivity was lower, but my output was better. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like I wasn't, it didn't seem like I was serving as many, but the outcomes were so much more positive because yeah. I was spending more time helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. Which, so that was like, a okay, the status quo, I don't think I'm ever going to change their minds. So probably, so that, that was actually one question that I had from your perspective, considering you work with so many executives, mm-hmm. is there's this general... Uh, thought that I've, you know, that I've heard a lot of people talk about of, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of leaders that you can change their minds and they're going to learn and they're going to understand that things aren't the same way that they were in like the Mm eighties, for example. Um, But there are going to be some philosophies that are so entwined into the culture of an organization that a lot of times you just have to wait it out for the leaders to age out Mm -hmm. and for the new group to come through so I'd love to hear your perspective on yeah. that. And that and that's a really good point. And I think and and I'll I'll just use a differential here. Um I think the people that are not willing to think outside of the box and see things differently and listen again, you're right. It's it's all culture. If the culture is not conducive to breed that and to to empower that, it's just not going to go anywhere. But I will argue that there's a big difference between managers and leaders, right? I think the leaders are are willing to listen. They're willing to hear. They're willing to innovate. They're willing to expand. They're willing to look into what what am I what am I doing? They're constantly growing, constantly working on themselves. So naturally, they're going to be more open to to shifting things. So, but these managers that are at the helm and and maybe at the at the you know, at the top of these organizations that are not going to be willing to to do things differently, if it lasts long enough for them to age out, it'll eventually age out. I just don't know that that it'll last long enough for them to be able to age out, depending on where mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's going to be um, something is going to happen within the organization that is going to either force them to shift or force them to leave, you know without without the benefit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm just seeing it because people are not as as you said earlier, people are not willing to 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 tolerate it anymore. Mm-hmm. what what doesn't feel right for them and what 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 doesn't feel just and what feels aggressive mm-hmm. and what doesn't feel like like they're being appreciated. You know, that's 73% of employees that leave their jobs leave because they don't feel appreciated. Oh yeah. And it's so easy to make them feel appreciated. But when it's bad enough, and I'm talking about people leaving high paying jobs that they've been in for years and they just, they've had it. So I think, I think you're right. I think, I think they could age out. Um, but I, I don't think, I don't think the way at the pace that, that the world is moving and the workforce is moving as far as expansion, I don't think it'll give a lot of them time. Either the company's going to suffer, their numbers are going to suffer, or the investors are going to force. I mean, something's going to give mm-hmm. um, if they're not changing. But again, that's what I, you know, call the difference between a manager mm-hmm. and a and a real leader. Yeah, and I love that you're because I and so often you uh, if you're especially if you're younger in the corporate world. Some I I feel like as you grow up through in the corporate world you start recognizing this is that just because you there's a manager doesn't necessarily mean that they're a leader and just because they're a leader doesn't necessarily mean that they're in the position of a manager um and it takes a very discerning person Mm -hmm. to recognize I, i remember um i because i was fairly young when i when i had this realization of just because they're in this higher position than me does not automatically mean that they know, number one, what they're talking about exactly. and exactly. that they are correct in what they're mm-hmm. doing and that I should just follow blindly, um, which ruffles a lot of feathers when yes. you're in the corporate world. Yes, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why I am not in the corporate yeah. world anymore. I, love it. <laughs> I can see you earning the Ruffler of the Year award. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, but I, it's it can be a tough thing though because you, you, I think you're you are inclined to think that just that they are in that position because oh they must have proven themselves to be an amazing leader. It's like mm-hmm. that's not always the case always when the you case. move up the ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great observation, and it's true. And and again, the younger 
generations are willing to ruffle the feathers and they're willing to ask the questions and, and listen, are you sure? Um, whereas my generation might have been like, listen, well, that's the way it is. I'm just waiting for yeah, just two to get here. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, clock out at five. Unfortunately, and, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't serve the organization. It doesn't, it doesn't serve anyone, but, but that's the culture that they've, that they've sort of committed to and haven't maybe looked into, um, consulting or coaching or, or anybody who can come in and guide them to, mm-hmm. to see if, if they're in, in, in line. And a lot of times they just don't have the clarity of vision, which is. Yeah. Which or, is or they have this problem. blindness of, well, we can just find more employees, you know, where mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> it yeah. takes so much more work to really change yeah. than to, um, than to just like go out Throw and find money. money. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, but it's going on. I mean, it's going on. I think, I think there's a, sh- I think this has been a big wake up call. Uh, the pandemic, the Great Resignation, the the reshuffling because now mm-hmm. it's just reshuffling of talent, um, and and we're going to see more of it. But but you know they'll they'll adapt or die. Mm-hmm. The, these organizations. So, yeah. Do you think um, that this was something that was always going to come, and the pandemic moved it at a little bit faster pace or because it, because it seems like, you know, there is a connection between the pandemic and this, but it was something that I think from my, from what I've seen, it seems like it was, it was always there, but it, it really pulled back the, those layers. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you think yeah. that that's what 100%. happened? I think yeah. it, it was coming. I think it just collapsed the time. Mm-hmm. The, the pandemic collapsed the time of of the awareness, mm-hmm. the waking up for people. Yeah. You know, I agree. Um, but yeah, it, w- it, it had to happen. It, yeah. it, it was coming. It was just going to be drawn long and drawn out mm-hmm. where this was like pulling off a bandaid. Yeah. In the most <laughs> you know, painful way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for some of them. But know? I mean, in order to clean a festering wound, it's going to, it takes a lot of pain. Yeah. To, exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of pain involved when exactly. you're cleaning it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're, part of the helping leaders through that change and navigating that. I mean, I think it, it makes a huge difference for, um, especially everybody on the front lines of it. And I think it's, it's been very rewarding and there are amazing people out there, Catherine. I mean, they're, you know, sometimes they get a bad rap because they're in that position and they feel they have to act a certain way, but they've got, some of these people I've been blessed to work with have the biggest hearts. It's just nobody knows. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do we how do we get them to to bring that to the forefront without them thinking the old mentality of oh that's going to be weakness? And I'm thinking no, that's going to be the strongest thing you you can do for your organization. Right. And um and it's been like a real blessing just to see them flourish and you know be vulnerable and get into that space and be willing to you know, with the guidance and with somebody nudging them to do it and encouraging them to do it. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I had, you know, been able to be myself because a lot of them are really good people. Um, for so much longer, I just thought I had to, you know, have this. Yeah, I had to be this, the stoic yes, business person. Yes, mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Just it's, put up some ping pong tables, right? Because that, that's it. it. Listen, that's a, a lot easier machine. than being vulnerable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really wild. Yeah. Really wild. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll have to hear stories sometime about all of the, maybe some of the, in, the stories that you've had yes, of working with. Yes, these. absolutely. That'll be another episode. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I know um, there's quite a few ways for people to connect with you. So mm-hmm. I'd love for you to talk about that and then also your podcast. Sure. So yeah. so uh, Dreamers Succeed um, is everywhere. Facebook, um, Instagram. I don't... Like I don't do, I'm like you, I'm, I, I do it very little just so my family knows that I'm still alive, right? <laughs> um, LinkedIn is usually the best way. So it's Berta Medina or Dreamer Succeed. You can find it um, both on LinkedIn. Um, and that's usually where I do most of my, most of my business socializing. Um, the podcast has been uh, on hold. We're relaunching in November. Um, it's probably going to come in under a new name. We've been working on revamping. So it's the Dreamer Succeed podcast. It'll still be under that umbrella, but it's going to be called Champagne and Balls of Steel, which is very you. the name of my next <laughs> book. So so we're, we're just changing up the format a little bit of the way we used to do it. So it's been a lot of fun putting that together and, and seeing how that's going to evolve. 
Um, so look out for that. Uh, hopefully we'll be recording um, starting back in November. Uh, hopefully you'll be one of my first guests under that title because I know it's very you yeah. too. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I just I just paused it because you know my studio was in my home, right. <laughs> and and I just I just didn't want to have to be. Um, dealing with the even though now we're we're all set up mobile and it's not going to tie me down at all but um it's going to be fun it's going to be fun it's it's a whole new we get to reinvent i've had a lot of fun reinventing that cuz i love i love the podcast and i love being able to have great conversations with people and so it'll be fun yeah i'm looking yeah. forward to well, it's it it's a great title yeah i like it you. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that book. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Berta. Listen, thank you. Are you kidding me? I love spending time with you. Just so blown away by by what you are doing and what you have, how you have grown. Let her speak and and how you continue to serve us all and and how you've taken it and expanded into the community space, which you've always been. But I just love what you're about, girl. I so admire you and and thank you for letting me make those introductions. Of Everybody's course. like, well, you know you. Catherine? I'm like, yeah, she's my friend. Um, so so really grateful to have spent this time with you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, thank you. Likewise. I love, thank you so much for being the new model of what, you know, a woman can be. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Catherine. This episode of She Speaks is brought to you by our amazing partners at First Horizon Bank. She Speaks is produced, edited, and scored by the very talented Travis Tench at Oak Hill Audio. If you loved the episode you just heard and want to support Let Her Speak's mission of elevating real women's stories, don't forget to follow, subscribe, and share at Let Her Speak USA. Together, we will make our voices heard.